Welcome back to another episode of Black, Bold, and Bougie. It's your girl, Tasha Two S's and I of Soulful Expression. And I'm Shonda V, the favorite fashionista. And today, in honor of Black History Month, we are going to talk about how far have we really come as Black people? Yes, we're in February. It is the best month of the year. Not only is it Black History Month, but it is also my birthday month. So in light of recent events that have gone on, let's get into it. In 1862, President Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation declaring all persons hailed as slaves free forever, effective January 1, 1863. It wasn't until the ratification of the 13th Amendment to the Constitution in 1865 that slavery was formally abolished. Similarly, segregation, the practice of requiring separate housing, education, and other services for people of color ended in 1964 when President Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act, which legally ended segregation. But is slavery and segregation really over? How far have we really come as Black people? I mean, I think that, you know, recent events have really brought this question to the forefront for a lot of people. I mean, I think that when President Obama was elected into office, there was this unrealistic ideal that um, racism was over and it didn't exist anymore. And it was proof because we had a Black man in the office right um but the reality is it unleashed all of these hidden hiding cowering um racist and just all this tension that you know have been basically swept under the rug it brought it to the surface and then this last administration who jesus it just made right. it even worse amplified it to the millions um, so I think that it's a very relevant question and something that we should really ponder and just let's be honest about it. Let's have an honest conversation about race in America. Not only just race, but slavery. Um, we'd be foolish to think that slavery in the United States has ended. Yes, slavery in its former form has ended, but there's still modern day slavery. Look at the prison system and the monetization of the prison system. Um, prisons were um, built for black people. The laws, the justice system were not, were designed to keep us um, restrained, to keep us locked down and suppressed. Yeah, so um, after the Civil War, you know, the South was not happy. They had basically lost all of their labor and they needed a way to keep their labor and keep their money at the same time. And that's when you really saw the booming of the prison system, really. Um, and, you know, if you read the book um, Slavery by Another Name um, by Douglas A. Blackman, I mean, he kind of talks about it, goes gives you know accounts of some stories that happened at that time and if, if you think about even today's society if we think about what happened last year with George Floyd or you know any other name that we have had unfortunately to turn into a hashtag over the last few years I mean let's just be honest we look at the system that is law and order it is designed to say hey a black person is guilty even when they're not 
Absolutely. I mean, even if you look at current events, say we compare George Floyd to this young man, Kyle Rittenhouse, who was from Illinois, went to Wisconsin and fatally shot two people at a protest. Not only does he still have his life, is he still breathing, but he is also out on bail. And then you have George Floyd who got caught with a counterfeit $20 bill and he lost his life. And let's not forget a few years ago when um, that young guy went into a manual African Methodist um, down in South Carolina and shot the church up, they took him to Burger King. It took him to Burger King to say job well done, basically. Have it your way. <laughs> it's like, it boggles me that you can get young, they're getting these Black men and imprisoning them young. Um, we're not, we don't even have time enough to talk about how the police officers oftentimes plant evidence on um African-American men in particular to get them into the jail system. Let's talk about how these cases are so tied up that you can be going to court, going through trial for years, years before you ever get convicted. So even if they find you not guilty, if you don't have the money to pay bail, you've likely sat behind bars for one to four years before ever them ever reaching a verdict. Exactly. And if we look at, you know, recent events as such as the Black Lives Matter um, movement that was really like getting full steam ahead last year, and we look at just the number of people who were arrested for peacefully protesting, right? I'm talking about peaceful people. I'm not talking about people who were looting and rioting. And if we are honest, um, the people who were doing a lot of the, who were creating a lot of that commotion were not black or part of Black Lives Matter. So, but that's a whole nother conversation. But you know what? I'm glad you brought that up. Let's get into it. Can we discuss the white coup of the Capitol that happened on January 6th? Listen. Can we discuss all Listen. of the white racist um, people who- Proud boys. <laughs> um yeah yeah they're called the what the proud boys yeah they, they're the proud boys can we talk about how they stormed the capitol they scaled walls which Girl. i personally find is funny considering president trump wanted to build a wall to keep, um <laughs> to keep they was over there out. playing donkey kong <laughs> And meanwhile, his own people just scaled the wall and proved that that will not help to get into the Capitol. Um, you know, it does not surprise me that white men around America are pissed that they no longer have their hero front and center making foolish decisions on behalf of all Americans. What made me disgusted was that they would put the state of the nation in jeopardy all over race all over a lie um you know when we look at that and we look at that entire day 
there was very little security present. Now, usually, now, if we fa- if we um, rewind just a little bit, a few months back in D.C., when Black Lives Matter was in town and you know they were having their protests it was police everywhere police on horseback riot gear, like everything they were ready to go and now all of a sudden it's like oh well we weren't anticipating any trouble we didn't think it would be like that then you have cops who are literally opening the barricades yes let me tell you if it had been black lives matter there's no way that they would even made it to the green of the capital let alone the steps and been able to start breaking windows like let's just be honest had it been Black people in general, they would have shot them midway over the fence, the gate, the wall. Um, I saw clips of a African-American guard or police officer at the Capitol literally being chased into the building by what appeared to be an angry white mob behind him. And all I could think, after laughing for a little bit, I'm not even gonna lie, It's kind of a funny clip, but not funny because I imagine myself in his situation and he probably went back to slavery and thought, oh my God, are they going to lynch me? Are they going to kill me? I mean, I just think about if I was in his shoes, my mind is immediately going back to slavery, going back to lynchings. And let's be honest, in the past two or three years, we've heard of African-Americans being lynched all through the nation and they try to keep quiet on those instances. It would never happen if those people were African-Americans. When Barack Obama left the office, a group of African-Americans would have never even dreamed of going to any federally owned government building to even protest let alone talking about being in these representatives' office, stealing podiums. It is just sickening to me. And on top of all of that, what they did was let the whole free world know, hey, come on in. It's easy to take over the U.S. government buildings. Just climb a wall. Yeah, and what's also interesting is that there were a few Black people, unfortunately, um, present, but um, they did not get the same treatment when it came to um, being arrested and being released on bail. Um, The crazy guy that was dressed up as whatever he was dressed up as, um, I believe he received bail, where the Black dude, he wasn't even allowed bail. He's still in jail. Unfortunately, he should have tuned into this podcast. He would have known that if you're a Trump supporter or not, you will not get the same treatment as your white counterparts. And let's even go here, right? So even in the workplace, there's a thing called the black tax. And if you have not heard about it, it is basically where um, people of color work twice as hard and receive have to pay. That's the whole gist of the black tax. Um, So in everyday life, I work in corporate America. Um, Natasha is an entrepreneur, so she do her own thing. But I see it day in and day out where um, you go into different businesses, restaurants, establishments in certain neighborhoods. You'll usually see African-Americans in lower level positions, such as waitresses, Um, bartenders in corporate America, you'll see them as um, janitors, receptionists, 
very rarely do you ever see African-Americans in positions of authority and power. And trust me, if you do see one, give them their flowers because they went through hell and high water to get there. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, recent events have caused some companies to try to, I guess, in some ways mitigate some of that, um, giving people promotions. But if you look at like, we talk about corporate America, talk about larger corporations, um, you know, you rarely see a lot of diversity on their board of directors or, you know, um, any high uh, positions of authority within the organization. Um, and I mean, it, it realistically, it has nothing to do with ability, talent, intelligence, um, you know, skill, it, a lot of times, unfortunately, is still about skin color. Absolutely. And even, and I speak from experience, even with African-Americans who do hold positions of authority, positions in management, it is an illusion. You have the title, but you absolutely do not have the authority. Even in mid to upper level management, those managers are still delegated the more administrative tasks. Rarely do you ever see that they have a hand in strategic um, planning as well as um, overall goal planning. And um, it's, it's like you have a seat at the table, but you're almost there to just take notes. You're there for the look, not to actually give your input and be a value team member. And unfortunately, the glass ceiling is even worse if you're black and a woman, because that is not equal to, and we're not even gonna get into the whole gender thing <laughs> because I could really go on a tangent there. But just understanding that slavery and segregation, though it seemed like it ended so long ago, there are still instances of it in everyday life that we see today. And so when we ask the question, how far have we really come as Black people? While I won't say that we've just made no progress, we've absolutely made progress. I mean, the fact that Kamala is even Vice President of the United States is progress. The question is, did they just give her a seat at the table or will she actually be heard? I guess that's something we're going to have to to find out. <laughs> um, you know, everything that you talk about, what it really brings to my mind is something that Muhammad Ali said in the 70s. Um, you know, people want to talk about equal rights and, you know, they want to talk about, well, you know, guys have equal rights and you can do this, but it's like, if you think about it, this country wasn't built with us in mind, not in a real way. Um, so realistically, we don't have any real authority. No matter what you do, you're still giving something to us and you still have the power. You can snatch it away just as easily as you gave it. And, um, you know, to me, that kind of brings us to another point when we talk about land ownership and we bring up the topic of redlining. Um that was how once we got through you know slavery we get we, we get the Jim Crow we got we got the prison system you know 
keeping black people from owning homes and property and land was another way to prevent us from really grabbing a piece of that American pie that everybody likes to fantasize about. Absolutely. And, you know, I live in Illinois, um, born and raised in Chicago, and Chicago is still one of the most segregated cities in the United States. There are still neighborhoods where it makes me afraid to go there, to be honest. Um, There are still some neighborhoods, I I can give you an example. There's a very prominent neighborhood on the south side of Chicago called Beverly. If you got money, money, you living in Beverly. Um, But um, I knew someone, a couple who was looking to purchase a house in Beverly. They had the approval, they had the money, the credit, everything. They made an offer. The offer was accepted. It got time for the final stages, the final walkthrough. And the owners of the home realized that the couple purchasing the home was Black. And they pulled the home off the market just like that. Yeah. I mean, and I feel like we are hearing more and more stories like that. There was um, a story circulating on social media about a a couple. Um, She was black and her husband was white and they were having their home appraised and the first appraisal came back super low lower than what they anticipated and so when they had the house reappraised what she decided to do was remove any evidence that she even lived in the home they only left pictures of her husband and his family up in the house and she made sure that she wasn't at home the day of the appraisal and if I'm not mistaken, I might have this number off, but it was at least $20,000 increase in the appraisal value when they did that. And that is in 2000 era, okay? We're not talking years ago. I mean, this was only a few year, a couple years ago, if even that. So, I mean, this is real. It's not something that, and, and people like to act like we're making it up or, you know, we're just imagining it or, you know... Playing the race card as they right. say. And that's not it. It's not. And let's just be honest. And I, I I know I say this anytime we talk about race. Race is a social construct. It is not real. Okay, people? We are the same realistically. I mean, think about it. Your body works the same. We have the same organs. Like it's the same makeup. You have melanin, just less of it. It doesn't make it doesn't make anybody more superior than the other. It just makes no sense. So to sit here and try to use light-skinnedness as a means for power and control and superiority is ridiculous it is and to go to go off of that that then just seeps into a whole other topic which is colorism amongst african americans it's real um it comes from the slavery days where the darker skinned slaves were relegated to field work while the fair complexion slave did the housework, the less manual work, so to speak. Um, And so we see it play out in today's society where um, if you're light skinned, you are automatically more desirable than the darker skinned woman. And we did a whole podcast episode about this. Go back, check out episode nine on colorism. It, It really has some gems in it. But all of that to say that our history is still at play in present and probably will be in future. And as Black people, yes, we have 
come further than where we were. But if you think about it, segregation just ended in night. What was that? Nineteen sixty four. So that wasn't that long ago. And let's think about it. Our new VP, when she was born, she could not even vote. Yeah, not not that long ago. Okay, and let's let's just put some let's let's think about this. this is, we talking about the nineteen sixties. We're not talking a hundred years ago. <laughs> Right, right. And it's interesting because when you put that time frame around the whole conversation, it gives you perspective. People who had the mindset of slavery are still alive today and instilling those ideologies in their children and their grandchildren that will have lasting effects on the American culture to be quite frank. Um, So we've established that we haven't gotten really far, but I just want to open up the conversation to discuss what are some of the ways that we can move the needle a little bit more so that our children and our children's children get to live in a nation that is a little bit better than what we have now. So I think, I think the first step is just being honest. We have to admit that this is real um you know we have to get rid of denial um i mean i'm i was recently reading um an excerpt for a book and i came across um, a, a passage that was from dr king's book where do we go from here and i just it baffles me that we're still asking this question in 2021 where do we go from here what how can we fix this? And in some ways, I hate to say this, I'm not sure if we can. Um, We have to completely change the entire establishment that this country was built on. The very foundation, it's very core. Um, And I don't know how you really begin the work of dismantling it because we didn't create it. Yeah, I think it first starts with enlightenment and everyone, not just African-Americans, but everyone as a nation being willing to come to the table and talk. And I think um, where we go wrong is we make a lot of assumptions about everything. Um, And believe it or not, you will be surprised how many Caucasian people, and it like currently we're talking about racism between white and blacks but it really is a white people versus every other person type of deal because you'd be surprised you go into some work settings or social settings how um how they're just unaware that certain things are triggers or that certain things are offensive um and i just think back to i had really good indian colleagues who Um, actually transitioned to being really good friends. And I think about how some of the things that were said and done to her, and I'm like, wow, that's racist. And so I think as long as white people um, are open and willing to come to the table and talk, and I'm not talking about the higher ups, I'm talking about in communities. Can we talk about it? Can you guys take ownership for it? And I'm not talking about the watered down version that they put in the history books and try to feed us. I'm talking the real abuse, the real oppression, um, the real thievery of countries, cities, states, 
Um, I'm talking about building whole nations on the backs of indigenous people and then denying them what's rightfully theirs. I think once we have all, you know, just come to one accord on what happened, then we can talk about how do we move forward from here. Because I think as long as there's no accountability, as long as they are willing to turn the other head, like, I didn't get Martin Luther King birthday off and I'm mad about it because I feel as though <laughs> it's not just taking the day, right? I feel as though um, my company and other companies who did not give us that day did not, does not recognize Martin Luther King's birthday as a pivotal moment in U.S. history. Now, I will say we didn't get Columbus Day off either, so they not <laughs> they not playing size, but just things like that, like Juneteenth. They're Columbus just, didn't contribute nothing to this country. Okay, I know. I'm sorry, <laughs> I know. I know. I get it. I get it. <laughs> but it's like things like that. I feel like can we outside of giving Martin Luther King a holiday and he got statues and street names named after him? That's fine and dandy. We got the Civil Rights Act movement which was huge monumental how are we applying his lessons of the past to today okay so i have a couple of things the first thing is you know again we have to i I stated about being honest you talked about coming to the table that's this is exactly why i think we have a hang-up if you look at the 70 million plus people who voted for donald trump they're in denial and they're easily manipulated into believing all of these ridiculous theories and things, conspiracies. You're going to have a hard time convincing them of anything that's factual. Um, and I think that that is part of the problem. Another thing that I also think um, is a problem for that segment of the country um, is that what they're starting to see is in many ways, the grip of white superiority and white power and white you can't really say culture but um the white I guess I'll say race is that you're seeing more and more interracial couples so they're creating interracial babies and what does that mean that the country is starting to become more interracial um and that's that's a scary thing for them but guess what that's why I say race is a social construct it's just people having babies with people that's it you know, they're populating the country. Um, but until you can actually reach that half of the country that still operates in a delusional state, that's still walking around with a Confederate flag, a sign of racism at its core. And I know that they think that that is their heritage, but baby, the reason why they had that flag is because they succeeded. Why? Because they wanted to hold on to slavery. Okay, let's just be honest about what it represents, what it means and why it even exists. So as long as they are unwilling to to basically grapple with the real reality of American history, world history, realistically, because it's not just here. Um, If we think about the British, they colonized several countries like why do you think you have the authority to come here and tell me that I'm uncivilized because you don't understand me? Preach. Preach. Um, it just, it's a crazy dynamic. Um, and I do think that, again, it has to start with honesty. And it's too many people that are still in denial. And as and, far as the, the way that the United States works, I mean, 
we don't necessarily have the the power to dismantle it and by we i mean black people because we didn't create it um and the system really wasn't built with us in mind as we we already spoke about but i do think that as you stated before we are making strides right and i do think and hey y'all can y'all can decide y'all won't listen to me anymore and you can unsubscribe or whatever but i'm gonna say what i'm about to say i do think that black people are emerging and we are showing our real strength in this period in this time and if we as a people can continue to work together oh we are a force to be reckoned with and that is so key i think one of the biggest hindrances to african-americans really making bigger leaps and bounds in that arena is that we do not have togetherness at all not at all every other race listen they gonna ride for their race but when it comes to us there is so much division amongst us as a people and that is by design yep it goes back to slavery even biblical it says how can two walk together except, except they agree, right? So a house divided cannot stand. And as long as we are divided amongst us, where we're tooting up our nose because she got a degree and she don't, or she drive a Benz and she drive a Corolla, like all of that doesn't matter. If you strip off the clothes, take away the house, the cars, and the shoes, we are all African-American people. And I think we as a people don't realize that no matter how successful you become, how much status you've achieved, they will still consider you an N-I-G-G-E-R. So you can come and you can talk Um, as eloquently as you would like and you can floss your degrees and your cars and your house you will never get to a level of respect and acceptance unless those white people are willing to accept you for who you are and admit that there are some prejudice prejudices there and to be honest it's not even the white races and supremacists and the proud boys that I'm worried about. We know who they are and how they stand. It's the closeted ones that are really a force to be reckoned with. Who would have ever thought that the majority of Trump's voters were white working class women? You know, that's what I do appreciate about this previous era that we just finally been set free from is that it brought it to the surface. I'm glad that, you know, this stuff isn't hidden anymore. I'm glad that the world can see what America really is because we have now shown our true colors to the entire world. Um, so let's not be mistaken. America is not all this glittery, glittery, gleaming wonderfulness that we try to portray. Like this is the real of it and it's ugly and it's messy. And, um, and it's embarrassing. Do you remember that trip to Italy? <laughs> I took a trip to Italy. Oh, you were not with me, um, with a couple of other friends. And um, it was at the beginning of Trump's term. And these Italians were coming up to us. They knew we were Americans. They could tell. And they were like, you voted for Trump? Girl, I had the same thing in South Africa. And it's same thing in South Africa. (laughs) I was like, nah, man, I ain't do that. Don't Don't put that on me. Hey, not this one. Nope, nope, he did not get my vote. But now here, here is the perspective of that. 
we are coming into that situation thinking like, no, I'm black. I did not vote for Trump. But anyone who lives outside of America sees us all as Americans. We're lumped in. There is no regular white American versus African-Americans versus Asian-Americans. We're all just Americans outside of America. Girl, not no more. And if, I mean, if that was the case, not anymore. I mean, like social media in this past year, this pandemic where everybody's sitting in their house, oh, they know the real. That's why I said the ugly truth has come out. Like it's it's on full display. Um, and I mean, they can try to pretend, but the rest of the world know the, the mess that we've been in. Um, the thing I, I think the thing that works in other countries. So if we look at Germany, they don't try to deny their history. They're, they're honest about what happened in Germany. They're honest about the tragedy. They do not try to pretend like it never happened and they deal with it. And that's healthy. (laughs) Why do we in America always try to downplay the realness of our history i mean because it's not our history it's our present and they don't want but the thing is the thing is you have to they still have to acknowledge the things that have been in the past that is why it's still present in the present because we have not acknowledged the truth of the past and that's my point we have to acknowledge like you can't have no history book that's trying to say that race i mean that slavery never existed in the united states true You, you can't have no history book that's telling children that you know people weren't brought over here in chains and then expect for to see some type of progress in the year 2021. I mean, we have to be real about what has transpired. Otherwise, we are going to continue to repeat the same cycle. And that's why I said it has to start with a, a space of honesty. We have to be honest about the truth of America. It's really, this episode is really triggering for me because I want to believe that we have come further than what we really have. I want to believe that it is safe for me to get married and have children. And I don't have to worry about my son going down to the corner store to get chips and juice and not making it back home, you know? So as it stands, while we have progress, we still have so much further to go as a people and as Tasha mentioned we can't do it alone nor is it ours to change because we did not create it um so unfortunately we have to um come up with positive ways to navigate the space that we're in um I think the Black Lives Matter movement is an awesome awesome organization Um, and they're more than just the protests you know they do go out to communities and help out and serve food and things like that and I think that because of the notoriety they gained with the protests they think we're just a group that's just gonna go out and just protest against everything yeah we will if it if there's injustices that are being had they will absolutely be there but It's so much more than that. And I just want to encourage um, people listening to get involved in your community because I don't want to, I don't want us to leave this podcast and people feel hopeless because we did not create racism that we can't make a change or impact. That's absolutely not true. You 
change the world around you every time you step outside your house and encounter people because you never know some white people like they the only interaction they have with African Americans is in the workplace or at the grocery store so I'm not saying it's your job to change the world and how everyone's think and how everyone thinks but I'm saying you can do your part by being a light and enlightening people. I've had friends that are white ask me questions about race, culture, hair, um, holidays, and things like that, because they are genuinely unaware and want to know. Um, and I think the more conversations we begin to have with some of our peers and just people who are willing to listen, um, the more enlightened people will come and I am hopeful that it will begin to shift things and make our world a better place. Yeah, I think that, you know, what we have to do, and I think the thing that's going to help us as a people is to really focus on building ourselves up, building up our community, um, speaking life into our children, speaking life into ourselves. Um, I, I'm not trying to do a plug, but in all honesty, I just created what I call my black is because I really feel as though there's so much negativity around the word black and even even within the black community you know we see blackness as a negative thing um there are so many ugly words associated with the word black and I feel like we carry that around but I think that if we start taking back our power and changing how we describe and how we assert our blackness that it can help shift our mindset and give us some hope you know if if you're always talked down to us in a negative way if we look at children who are you know abused at home and always told that they're stupid or you know that they can't do this they can't do that you know that impacts their them throughout their entire life that shapes who they become as an adult and I think that when we think about the word black and being labeled as black, you know, for some of us and not me, because I don't have no problem being black. Um, but for some people, like they don't want to be associated with it because of all the negative connotation that's, you know, surrounding the word. And I think that if we can give ourselves back some of that power, you know, that's what the Black Panther Party was trying to do. They were trying to protect black people. They were trying to build black communities. And, you know, it was taken completely wrong by <laughs> by the police system and basically white America. I mean, you know, but we have to focus on, hey, we control our narrative. And that means that we need to build ourselves up. We need to focus on the things that we can control. Because, you know, realistically, I have no control over what they do in the government. I mean, I could pretend like, you know, me electing somebody is really, they those politicians are gonna do what they wanna do at the end of the day. And yeah, I can continue to nag them. And I'm not saying I don't believe in the, the political system, but I just believe in honesty. Let's talk about real people when they get into those positions, they after what they after. Um, but I know that if I am working in my community to, to build up the self-esteem and, you know, the morale of the people I surround myself with. I'm showing them that, you know what, you can do these things. These things are not impossible for you because you were born in the ghetto. These things are not impossible for you because you were born in poverty. You know, these things are not impossible for you because you have pigment in your skin. I think that if we can really focus on that and make that our energy, I'm telling you, I told you before, I think that we're about to become a force to be reckoned with. If we can just get our togetherness on one accord, you know, I mean, 
we have power. I mean, look at this past election. That's all I have to say. Look at the past election. And on that note, let us know what you think. Have we really come far as Black people? So you know what to do. Hit us in the DM. Drop a comment. We want to hear from you. And on that note, I'm Shonda V, the favorite fashionista. And I'm Tasha Two S's in the eye of Soulful Expression. We'll holler at y'all in the next episode. Peace. Thank you.